Have the Conversation Podcast. Have the Conversation Podcast. Have the Conversation Podcast. The Have the Conversation Podcast. Have the Conversation Podcast. Real people, real conversations. I am pumped to be part of Have the Conversation. The word resolve means to settle or find a solution or to decide firmly on a course of action. And our guest this week had to do just that when routine blood work led to a frightening discovery in 2014 that has altered his life indefinitely. Contributing to the conversation is Savio Clemente. Savio is a stage three cancer survivor turned board certified wellness coach, podcaster, and syndicated columnist who dedicates his life and perspective to helping others feed their three brains in hopes of connecting the dots to the sticky parts in our nature that matter and unlock the courage within us all. From alternative therapies to biohacking and brain spotting, we cover a lot of material in this conversation. So after the episode, if you're curious to know more or want to get in contact with Savio, head over to htcpod.com for it all. And while you're there, subscribe so you never miss a conversation. How's your sleep lately? As a trainer, the subject of sleep is often a main topic of discussion. Nobody sleeps perfectly every night, but I have to tell you, I've never slept better than I have since I've discovered the Chili Pad. Chili Pad is a mattress pad that uses cooling technology to keep your bed at exactly the temperature you want all night long. You can set it as low as 55 degrees, like my furnace of a fiancé does, or take it all the way up to 95 if you have no problem staying cold on your own. Our bodies need a dark and cool atmosphere to get the most out of our sleep, and the Chili Pad has been one of my favorite sleep hacks to do just that. Go to ChiliPad.com to learn more about the ChiliPad and its upgrade, the Uller. That's C-H-I-L-I-P-A-D.com. They even offer a new Chili-weighted blanket to keep you calm and cool all night long. If you like what you see, use the code HAVETHECOMBO for a special discount at checkout. That's all one word, HAVETHECOMBO, for discounts off your new ChiliPad. Sleep tight! I would like to start off by going back to 2014 with your uh with your cancer diagnosis and you realized that your your calling existed outside of what you knew to be familiar and i just want to explain you to explain to us what caused that shift sure so prior to my cancer diagnosis in 2014 i was living traditionally what would be considered a very holistic lifestyle i rarely took any medicine i i rarely took any aspirin I saw a naturopath who did blood work on me for like eight years prior to that. I was eating organic food. I was working at a very high-end gym, doing high-intensity workouts. I was meditating every day. I've been a meditator for over about 20 years now. Um, And I was doing all the right things. Um, But something um, sort of shifted. Uh, I think for me, if I look back now on it, there was a lot of things happening in and around my life in terms of uh, I was in a... um, I was in a business, small business with about three other partners. Uh, there was a shift that happened with two of the partners personally. Uh, and I think I kind of emotionally took that on a little bit. I'm not saying that was the main cause of it, but I think if I was to be really be honest with myself, I think that was definitely a part of it. Um, and I found out that um, what was happening to me was that I was, my stomach was getting bigger and bigger and bigger. I was like, almost like a pregnant woman. Um, and I saw my naturopath and he's like, your blood work is so off the charts. He's like, I can diagnose you with like three or three things right here. He's like, I have no idea what's going on with you. I've been monitoring you for over eight years. Uh, so he told me to go get, uh, you know, traditional medicine, uh, you know, treatments or just, you know, seek out the advice of a, you know, traditional doctor, which I did. Uh, he told me to go, uh, get a sonogram, which I did. And they would not really let me leave the office after I got my sonogram. And I'm like, what's going on? And then about an hour and a half later, they said to me, I really think you should have someone come pick you up. I'm like, but I have my car here. And they're like, no, I really think you should. And they said, you really should go to the hospital. I'm like, for what? And they're like, just do it. I'm like, okay. So I go there. And about an hour and a half later, uh, I was admitted to the hospital. Um, I found out about three days later, no, sorry, two days later, um, that I had non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, stage three. Um, I did, uh, they did a bone marrow aspiration on me. Fortunately, it didn't go to my brain, um, but they did have to put in a frostomy tube, which um, ended up, um, I think I had about eight liters of fluid that was slowly draining for me in about a two-week span. First week, I um, was bedridden. I couldn't couldn't leave. Uh, And then the following week, about three days before that, they told me 
I should go on my first round of chemo, uh, which honestly, um, I consulted with a lot of people because you have a lot of time and I had Wi-Fi and I had my phone and uh, a good friend of mine was like, sure you want to put those poisons in your body? Like literally it's going to destroy everything. And um, so I sat with myself and like I said, I'm a meditator and I just realized, you know, that I don't know if you ever, ever watched that movie um, with Keanu Reeves, um, uh, Little Buddha. Did you ever watch that? I haven't seen it, no. Okay, so there's a scene in it. So it's been a a long time. It's been a a few years since I've seen it. And this image in that movie popped into my head as I was like contemplating this, what am I going to do? And there was a scene in it where, so um, Keanu Reeves, Siddhartha in the movie is meditating. He leaves all his earthly possessions. He's meditating with other yogis uh, for like many years. He's barely eating any food, maybe a grain of rice a, a week or whatever the case may be. And he hears that he's meditating these two people in the fishing boat uh, in the ocean. Um, if you hold the string too loose, it won't play. And if you hold it too tight, it'll snap. The path is the middle path. And like, literally, I realized, oh my God, I don't have to choose one or the other. I can do both. So I said yes to chemo. And then I did integrative modalities in between my treatment. Were you trained in these modalities? before you decided to take that middle path? Yeah, so I would think I was a burgeoning biohacker in the beginning. So this is 2014. I, I was always preventative-minded. I always kind of knew there's a deeper path to questions. I always questioned things. So I can't say I was 100% exactly I knew what I wanted to do, but I, did, I had all the time in the world and I had Wi-Fi. And so I did my uh, due diligence and research and consulted a lot of people. I literally treated my cancer as a challenge and a mission. And I left, I literally didn't do anything else but focus on health and healing. And fortunately, my story is that I was able to beat it in four months. I'm since cancer-free, it's been seven years. Uh, and now I'm, I promised myself after five years of being in remission uh, that I would do something with it if I am still alive, which fortunately I still am. Fortunately, it's right. That's amazing. What a story. Wow. <laughs> Lots to unpack. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry if I was a little long winded there. It's just no, when you okay. think about when you think about how it happened, it's to me, it's like a stream of consciousness. So I just kind of go with it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you go in for one thing and then your, your whole life changes. That's, that's a lot to unpack just right there. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that you said you, you immediately went into how can I solve this problem that I find myself in? Can you walk through that? Where did you start to look? I, I just want to know more. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, like I said, I had some hesitance with the chemo because, you know, you hear chemo and I wasn't really concerned about like losing hair. Um, I since adopted the look and now it's a badge of courage because I, I clearly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I realized that people told me I look good with it. And I was like, you know what? I was spending all this time worrying about like my hair. I might as well just like let that go. Um, and so, but what they don't tell you about the hair with men, and I'm just going to be really candid here is that when you lose hair from chemo, you lose hair everywhere. And if you know what I mean, like looking at myself in the mirror, it's a little weird, (laughs) like a pubescent boy. Yeah. So anyway, (laughs) um, and, um, uh, yeah. And so, um, yeah, I basically, uh, you know, talked to the medical director and I remember she looked at me deadpan in the face and she basically used an expletive. She goes, listen, you are really, really sick. You have stage three cancer. She goes, I don't care what the F you do outside of this hospital, but you need to get chemo. It will, it will save your life. There's this new drug called Rituxin. It's, it's shown major promise with the drug. So please, I advise you to do it. And like I said, I, you know, I had to make the decision all on my own, but I wasn't given it. You know, people like have cancer and they like can go home and like ruminate yeah. and I had no choice. I was literally bedridden. <laughs> so yeah. it was either I don't do it and, you know, cross my fingers or I, you know, get the treatment. And so I, I think I made the wisest decision. Um, I was just, you know, researching on the internet, you know, Sloan Kettering obviously is a big one. Um, uh, uh, um, Anderson uh, is another one. Uh, I also read the Quran, believe it, or not, believe it or not. And there's a passage in there which talks about something called a black seed oil. And the passage goes, there's only one thing the black seed oil cannot kill, and that's death. So I did that. I did red light therapy. I did ozone therapy. I did a whole bunch of stuff. Um, yeah. So um, 
Yeah, <laughs> I could go on and on. But yeah. No, please. That's so interesting. <laughs> I'm so curious. I listened to one of your podcasts. I think it was the one who didn't trust her body or, or something to do with that. I didn't realize that her story is very similar to yours, where she was doing all the right things. She was eating healthy. She was working out. She was meditating and she felt betrayed by her body when she got the diagnosis. Did you feel similarly? It's really interesting. I'm a firm believer, not in everything happens for a reason. I mean, I, I do believe in that, but I'm also firm believers that challenges are put to us to test us in, in a way, whatever your belief system is, this is what I believe. Uh, and so when I got the diagnosis, I remember like, so my hospital was amazing. I counted, it was like 18 doctors attending to me on in that two weeks period. I don't know why that was. I'm not questioning their care. Um, and so uh, I remember three of them, the one who did the bone aspirin, they're like, we've told a lot of people this and they like literally have broken down. And, and I just said to them and said, what am I going to do? Like, I'm not going to, like me breaking down right now is not going to help solve the problem. Uh, and it's interesting because my sister was the first person to come see me like the day after I was admitted to the hospital, like the, early in the morning. I remember I told her and she literally broke down. And like, I had to like console her. I'm like, wait, 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 wait. I'm the one, I'm the patient. I'm the one with the problem here. Um, but I'm like, I understand. Um, I think for me, it's probably a personality type of mine where um, I've been really good at like taking care of myself and, and surviving in a way. And so I think I just went into that, into that particular zone. Wow. Yeah. Prepared you for it almost in a sense with everything that you had been doing leading up to it. That's really beautiful. Yeah. yeah. You said that you kind of took on some emotional stress from the business that you were in. Okay. Have you noticed with a lot of other patients or survivors that you've worked with is emotional stress kind of previous to the cancer, a pattern that you see? So it's interesting. Yeah. So when I do my coaching, so I basically coach cancer survivors um, because I feel like that particular part of the cancer journey, uh, most people feel like uh, you're a winner and which I'm not taking anything away. I've lost many people to cancer myself but there's a lot of stuff that happens to you. And nine times out of 10, it's um, cancer is a very physical thing. It attacks physically your body, but there's like psychological, there's emotional, there's mental, there's some soul things that, you know, we as humans have to kind of unearth and figure out for ourselves. I think those are the things that my clients, usually when I go through the cancer sort of coaching process with them that we unearth. And most of the time I find that it's not something that they ignored, but it's something that they just kind of didn't want, didn't really see nine times out of 10 um, because they weren't aware or they weren't present or that they felt that maybe that would work itself out somehow. Um, and so most of cancer survivors that I know, we share this, this, this sacred truth, which is we only have a limited amount of time. You're never cured from cancer. You're just in the mission. So it could come back, hopefully not. Um, but we know that time is to some degree not on ourselves. Yeah. Did you have that feeling before the diagnosis or did you kind of get one of those new leaf, lease on life experiences? You know, it's really funny because it's, um, I remember that night that I was in the hospital before they transferred me to the seventh floor, which is called the cancer floor, which is a horrible name, but dun, dun, that's, dun. What, that's <laughs> what it was called. I remember breaking, breaking down to a nurse and I think, and it's really crazy, but most of it was like, I didn't want to leave people with burdens, like, you know, like financial burdens or personal responsibility burdens. It wasn't really for me about the death experience. I think, uh, I, so I, I grew up Catholic, but um, I've been uh, someone who's been very interested in just the wisdom um, from all, you know, desperate parts or, you know, studying comparative belief systems. I'm not really afraid of the dying death process. Um, not that I know for certain what's going to happen, but uh, I'm sort of peaceful with that. I think for me, it was more of, uh, I would be a disappointment um, to people if uh, um, like I, you know, like I, that they would think of me, it's probably, it probably doesn't make any sense, but they would think of me less than then that I um, kind of left them now with this huge burden. Um, that was the first thing that, you know, ran through my mind. Greater wisdom in the last seven years has shown me there's other things. Um, totally. You know, yeah, because that's kind of like an ego plus guilt reaction. Like, In a super fragile situation, right? Like, I know, I know. And with a nurse, I don't even know. <laughs> like, 
really on. But yeah. Please console me. <laughs> yeah. Totally, totally. And yeah, she just kept saying to me, and of course she's probably seen hundreds of cancer patients. Uh, she just basically said to me, it'll be okay, it'll be okay. And, you know, and so that was nice of her to do that. Yeah. So how long after um, your remission, I know you kind of gave a time frame when we first started talking that you really did see the purpose in this and, and kind of sharing this with other people. How long after? Yeah, so I, I made a promise that uh, if I hit that five year mission mark, it's never a guarantee, but it's when um, they consider it less than likely that it might reoccur. Uh, and I was tired of seeing my oncologist every three months, then six months, then a year. Um, and so I said after the five year mark, which happened around the pandemic, <laughs> so um, that uh, I would do something with it. So my background is IT. I used to design websites and mobile apps and I was very good at it. Hey, we uh, got that in common. Yeah. <laughs> being behind the scenes is like, a, it's, it's, a, it's an innate trait of mine. Um, but I realized that uh, if I hit that five-year mission mark, I want to do something, you know, sort of front-facing. And so that's where kind of coaching came into play. Uh, I let, you know, it sounds a little, you know, Sounds sounds a little you know you know woo woo, but I, I did let the universe kind of guide me. I knew something was tugging at me. I didn't know how that was going to be or what that was going to be, and so I pursued um, you know board certification in wellness coaching. So I'm a board certified wellness coach. Um, I chose a niche, which is my my own niche, which is cancer survivors. Um, and then within the last three months, uh, I am also a syndicated columnist. So I write for Authority Magazine and Thrive Global. And one of my first interview series was really popular and it was called I Survived Cancer and Here's How I Did It. I interviewed over 160 cancer survivors. Um, I'm religious about posting four to five times a day, even with the LinkedIn algorithm maps. Oh, it gives me a <laughs> headache. Oh, Savio, how? Yeah, I'm like, I, teach us your ways. <laughs> I feel like I need to tell these stories. So I tell yeah. these stories. Um, and um, yeah, and just reading their stories, oh my God, it's, it's amazing what some of them have been through. And it's um, most of it's breast cancer, which is, you know, not surprising, but also a little disheartening. Yeah. So is that how the human resolve came to be? That's how the human resolve came to be. It started off with sort of just me sort of um, speaking about my story and, and my truth. My website's really, I, I try to paint a picture of just someone living their life. I often find, and even in my podcast, and my podcast with the same name, The Human Resolve, um, I want to do something differently with it. I wanted to do what I do best, which is coach. And so I basically offer people a coaching session in the beginning, and then I let them talk about their expertise, who they are, what they do. Uh, I find for me, I think I read it somewhere when I was really young, that people are really great in their business life, but not really great in their personal life. And so for me, I want to help people try to kind of figure that out. Uh, so within the last month, I've leaned into the interviews I've done for Authority and Thrive Global into the guests for my podcast. Before, it was just anyone talking about wellness, and now I'm kind of being a little more, well, at least in the next few months, being a little more sort of uh, focused with it. Yeah, that intentionality. So that's what I was wondering, because I was listening to your podcast, and I do love the format, because it's very unique to what I'm used to listening to. And I wondered how, because I, I thought those were your just individual coaching sessions, and how you got people comfortable enough to share that much on a public platform, but you already had interviewed these people. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. So the interview is, you know, it's a, you know, you know, actual, you know, online interview. So I, I kind of know about their story in a way. And then I just say, listen, I really love the interview. I, I picked you in order to do a podcast session. This is my format. Are you interested in going there? Um, but interestingly enough, beyond the cancer survivors, before I started focusing more on them for the podcast, I had other people who just was like, yeah, I need help. <laughs> I need help in something. Right. And I have to remind people, like, I'm not a therapist. I'm not licensed to be a therapist, nor do I kind of want to be a therapist. I'm a coach. So I'm all about the present and to where you want to go. So I'm um, like, as long as you want to go there with me, I'm, so I'm totally happy to, you know, be a facilitator in that process. That's so beautiful, how much it can overlap to how talking about just being present can be so therapeutic to a lot of people. Yeah. People are great. People are great. And I've had a lot of no's. People are great at like talking about their expertise and who they are as experts. And I'm an expert in what I do, but they're not really good, they're not really good at like talking about the human side, <laughs> side of life and, and, and things. And, so and true. You, know, <laughs> you know, my job is not to unearth secrets. Definitely not. But uh, people find that I have an empathetic approach. And so 
they are just comfortable with me just asking the right questions to just get them moving a little further ahead. You know, like my goal is never to give, you know, people promise transformation, but people often forget transformation is an individual thing. And there's also, you know, soul, karmic, you know, there's a whole bunch of stuff that happens there that people have to kind of unpack. And it doesn't happen in a one hour session, doesn't happen in the 30 minute podcast session. It happens over time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I played on your website for about an hour this morning. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. All right. So, so any, anything that, anything that you think I should change, <laughs> how about we go there? <laughs> well, no, I mean, you're right. It does paint a great picture, but I had so many questions just because you have so many different expertise and so many different credentials. Um, I wanted to know first how you found the importance of the three brains that you talk about. Yeah. So that was through my training. So uh, beyond being a board certified wellness coach, I'm also an ICF certified coach doesn't mean anything to anyone listening who's not in the coaching world, but it it is the gold standard in coaching. Um, I'm at that first level ACC level. Um, And through that, so I did the program with with a uh, coaching program called the Human Potential Institute. It's Dave Asprey. He's one of the, he's considered the grandfather biohacking. Don't tell him he's an actual grandfather, but he's considered (laughs) one of the foremost biohackers. Um, And in that, there was just all this research on how many, you know, documented, you know, reported studies, the fact that there are these, you know, sort of consciousnesses in our physical body beyond the obvious, which is the brain, uh, the heart, and obviously the gut. Uh, I just coined it the three brains because it's just easy to understand and people can kind of relate to it. And it also piques their interest a little bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, really the, the, the whole premise of it goes is that the heart has more valuable information than the head will ever have. Um, and that they work in cohesion. And then if you tap into the gut, so it basically goes um, um, heart back to the brain, from the brain back to the heart, because you have to resource that, then go into the gut, then from the gut, go back into the heart and so on and so forth until you get um, any information. Now people think like it's some revelation or some vision. Sometimes it's just like a knock. Sometimes it's just a visual. Sometimes it's just a feeling. Um, And I use that. So I have a newsletter. And so I basically for my newsletter. Every week I have a prompt and I answer the prompt for myself. I'm really candid and open about relationships. It's one of my most weakest areas. Uh, And I will go into how I'm feeling and what I'm sensing and how I'm using the three brains in my own life. Wow. How do you help connect people to their heart and their gut if they're always in their head? Yeah. So I, the key is, so the visual that I use for a lot of my clients is, um, and I learned this through my trainings, is think of it as an elevator. So we're always up, we're always like, as humans, we always wanna be up, we always wanna be like up there, you know, like looking below. Think of it as an elevator. And I make them count down from five to one. And I make them go into their belly or try to go as close to their belly as possible. So that visual usually helps people because it allows them to feel like, oh, there's a task I need to do. As opposed to thinking about a problem, they think about, oh, I need to do the task. Okay, the task is to go from five to one. Okay, I'm there. And then I just have them kind of, (laughs) I can just have them sort of feel into it. And um, it's not a, um, you know, it's really interesting because there's a whole bunch of, you know, mechanical things that you can do. You know, there's, you know, people, you know, sort of, you know, go into sort of the area of like the modalities, right? Sort of feel into it and sense into it. If it doubled in size, what's the color? You can do all those great tricks. But I often find that when people go into their bellies or go into their heart, um, it's things that they never thought would come up or feelings or sensations they never, they kind of put to the side. And that's where we start first. So I really don't even like allow them to feel like they have to do it um, I don't make them do it as like an experiment. I I say experiment because I kind of want them to feel into it, but it's more of what's happening right now for you. Like literally what's happening. And then we start from there. Okay. And then I have heard you do that on your podcast with some of the guests. That's really cool. (laughs) Can you talk through the seven energy centers? That was something on your website that really caught my eye. And can you just kind of explain all of that? Sure. Um, so people know it as the chakras, if you're into yoga or if you're into sort of uh, that realm of uh, understanding. Um, I just thought chakras and whatnot, you know, not that it's confusing for people, but people then have a preconceived notion of what it may or may not be. And so I just coined it as seven energy centers. It's something I've learned for many years, studying 
you know, energy and sort of the body and once again, consciousness uh, and how those are sort of the prime drivers. So it starts like mental, emotional, spiritual, soul, astral, which is your dreams, uh, and then obviously the physical body. Um, and so when I go into a coaching session, so I have three month packages and six month packages, um, we sort of explore, but it's never didactic. Like I never want them to be like, hey, today we're doing the spiritual. It's more of an organic conversation. And if that what if that if that's what they want to nudge into, then that's great. Um, you know, the thing with coaching that people also kind of have a preconceived notion about is that they think to some degree that I'm going to fix their problem. And I always tell them, I will never be an expert on you. <laughs> you will always be an expert on yourself. I'm just a facilitator who's gone through my own journey, and maybe I'm a few notches ahead of whatever your goal is, um, um, or maybe I'm just exploring with you. But I'm just really there to kind of hold space and, you know, be that container, you know, you know, hold that container right in order for you to unearth or, you know, flesh out those things. Mm-hmm. When did you feel like you became an expert on yourself? Asking for a friend. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I will humbly say I don't think I'm ever going to be an expert on myself, but I will say I've done a lot of work on myself. So, you know, once again, being really candid, um, I'm an openly gay man. I came out in, in the late 90s um, and, um, you know, I feel to some degree beyond, you know, so I, I, so let me backtrack a little bit. So I came, so I was born in Mumbai, India. I came here when I was three years old. Um, my parents are from Goa, India, which, which was ruled by the Portuguese. So that's why my name is a little, not a common, typical Indian sounding name. Um, and so I went, uh, grew up in a little town called Peekskill, which is in Westchester County. If you ever watched the show, The Facts of Life, I know I'm dating myself here, girls. Wow. But, yeah. But uh, <laughs> that's where it was supposed to take place. Um, and it was a really, really nice middle, you know, middle class, you know, town. But um, it was about 48% black, 48% white, and about 2% other. And it was me and my family and a few other family members who were of the same. So I dealt with sort of not racism, but I sort of dealt with sort of trying to fit in. Um, and so I would get questions like, does your mom wear a dot on her head? You eat rice every day. And the answers to one of them was yes. And the other one was no. Um, <laughs> but um, sort of trying to fit in and trying to sort of figure out what that even looked like for my family was big. And then uh, I dealt with an LGBT issue, you know, just coming out and just kind of figuring that out. That was through college. Um, I've had a business uh, falling out. And so that one, then cancer happened to me. Um, so I think to a large degree to answer your question, I, I feel like um, life has um, given me challenges to test me, but also to see kind of what, what, you know, like, what is it that I can glean from these experiences? What is it that I can maybe impart or give or help? Um, and I really have to believe that's the reason. <laughs> Otherwise, I got a sucky lifetime, girls. <laughs> sucky ass lifetime. <laughs> well, you're turning lemons into lemonade. That's cool. I know that resiliency is beautiful. I'm trying, beautiful. trying, 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 trying. <laughs> you're doing. <laughs> so I'm you're doing, doing. I'm doing. I'm doing. Yes. You um, you talked a little bit about your interest in biohacking. I'm a, a personal trainer, and that's something that I'm very interested in myself. Where did you start with that, and what have you tried that you like to recommend? Yeah. So, uh, I, um, so I was a, uh, I would say a burgeoning biohacker before cancer. I became an extreme biohacker after cancer just to keep myself on the up and up. Um, so I've tried ozone therapy. I've done, uh, I have a small Raymond Rife, um, energy, um, basically it's a frequency machine that changes energy frequencies. I have a small one that connects to my laptop that does that. Um, I've done, um, ozone therapy, where I've had IV drips that's been ozonated. Uh, I drink ozone water. Um, I see, or well, I don't see that same naturopath, but I do take vitamins of different sorts um, every single day in order to keep me on the up and up. Um, apple cider vinegar. Um, I've done cold therapy. Um, I've done um, gosh, so many things I've done. Um, Oh my gosh. Let me see what else. Oh my God. I'm like, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like thinking about, oh yeah, I have a, um, a, uh, it's the one that the, it vibrates in a figure eight. So you lie down. It's just like escaping me. I have it upstairs in my, my house. Um, and it basically goes back. Oh, it's a chi machine. So basically it follows the goldfish figure eight and there's science and, and, you know, research supporting that particular uh, product. 
um, that's supposed to um, balance, um, you know, the energy system, the energy systems. Uh, I also have a red light, uh, red light machine, uh, and um, that's supposed to help with mitochondria help as well. Um, there's probably a few others, but yeah. yeah. Can you go into the ozone? I've, I've tried ozone therapy before. Hmm. It's been years, um, but I remember when I was in there reading all the paragraphs of benefits. Can you go into that for our listeners? It's been a while for me. Sure. So um, ozone has been used in Germany for over 60 years. Um, here in the US, it's, um, let's just say it's not as adopted. And there's definitely some um, sketchy uh, practitioners out there <laughs> who don't know what they're doing or just, you know, are not sure what they're doing. Um, I found it effective for my life so I can speak to that truth. Um, so I did, um, when I got diagnosed with cancer, um, besides my um, chemo treatments uh, on off weeks, uh, I basically saw uh, an actual practitioner who does ozone therapy um, for my particular cancer because it was a blood cancer. Um, there's different methods that it could be um, you know, used in. So it could be anally, um, it could be you know, used in IV drip. Um, or I did the nasal, the mm -hmm. in inhalation. That's the one that I tried. So the one I did was basically they had a saline drip. They ozonated it a few times in a baggie and they gave it to me as an IV drip. Took about an hour. Um, I felt great. I felt really energetic. Um, of course, these things you can't really measure. Uh, and then I have a small little machine uh, that I ozonate my water. Uh, I used to do it religiously. I do it maybe once a week now. Uh, and that just basically ozonates my water supposed to really help with uh, bacteria, fungi, mold, um, uh, if you have colds, flu. Um, you know, for me, these are all preventative. I can't measure, but I feel like at least I'm doing my part. Yeah. Um, can I ask selfishly what red light you use? Because I, <laughs> they are pricey and I have looked, but uh, haven't been successful. Oh my gosh. What's the name? Um, so I have a small travel one from a different company, but I have the most popular one, which is hanging in the back side of my door. Is it Juve? Yes, Juve. It is yes. Juve? Okay, okay. It's Juve. Yeah, it's, it's expensive and I, I'm not equating that price equals quality, but kind of does sometimes. Yeah. Um, um, I'm happy with it. I have no issues with it. it. It's still going strong and I do about 10 to 15 minutes a day. Yeah. What are the benefits of that? I'm such like, this is not my world at all. I'm married to an extreme biohacker and oh. I, my, my sis over here is, um, I'm not, I'm like a skeleton, okay. <laughs> you know, okay. trying to make it. So, so I'm very curious. So I can tell you that, and you're probably going to ask me how, but it basically it's supposed to help with mitochondrial um, health. So it's okay. the basic, you know, you know, the powerhouse of the DNA, it's, it's you know, cell structure, um, uh, now, of course, you're going to say to me, how are you going to measure that? I, you really can't measure it. It's like, you can't. They have good studies on their website. No, I, absolutely. But if you tell someone that, they're like, um, so what was, what was your mitochondrial count before you, you know, like, there's no way to like, really, like, it's just like, it's kind of subjective in a way. Um, however, I will say um, um, that anytime I've ever had a cut or bruise, it's healed faster than any other thing that I've tried. Mm -hmm. So that's proof for me, positive, that it, that it does work on some level. Now, I can't prove the mitochondria, but I can prove that, um, like, so, for example, I used to get a lot of um, uh, cold sores, and even my oncologist, you know, gave me something to take, uh, and so when I got the red light machine, I'm like, you know what, I'm not going to take this. I'm just going to try it. Literally, it would take me about four or five days, and it's like, if you've ever had cold sores on your lips, it's not pretty, and I'd be, like, super self-conscious about it, yeah. and literally, like, Painful. within a day... Yeah. Within a day and a half, it went away. And it, that happened numerous times. Yeah, so. I have heard too, it helps with like muscle soreness and yes. in cellulite for all our ladies out there. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hook me up. <laughs> it's really good too. Well, I can also say from a man's perspective, it really is good with um, sperm production as well. Yeah, um, there's a lot really. of research. There's a lot of research as, as well. I know uh, Dave Asprey says he, as he calls it, I put that thing on my junk and um, that. <laughs> That's his words, not mine. Those Lysol <laughs> wipes out afterwards. <laughs> that is so crazy. Yep. While we're on your different expertise, I want to pick your brain because we're all about alternative therapies here. Um, brain spotting. What is that? Brain spotting. Ah, uh huh. Here, brain spotting. So <laughs> what is now, that? <laughs> so this is a pointer. It's a it's a pointer. Uh, so basically brain spotting, uh, and so I don't use it 
all too often because it, it goes kind of in the realm of therapy and I have to be very careful about the lane that I'm in. Um, however, it's mostly, the technique is mostly focusing on a point. So I'll tell you to like focus on like the point right here and then you move into the different areas. So as you're speaking, the focus that you're having on that particular topic or problem or issue is a memory, it's like a muscle memory. It's a, it's a memory you're having. So as you shift in a different position, Sometimes, sometimes it releases those particular emotions or those feelings and newer insights come out of it. It's not a one and done. It happens over a course of a period of time. Um, but I found it fascinating. Uh, and so it's just something that, you know, I myself, like I said, have to be very careful how I use it. But um, I basically use it with, my, with the three brains because those are the parts of our body that we you know, rely on most, right? The heart, the gut, right? Um, and, the, and, and we as humans share that, whether or not our mind is working properly with our mental health issues or our gut with, you know, digestive issues or with our heart with, you know, actual cardiovascular issues. Um, fact of the matter is when I use it in tandem with that, it ends up allowing people to shift because they don't feel like they have to look at me. Now they're looking at an object or they're looking at a, a, a point in time or space in time. Cal, do you know what that reminds me of? What? EMDR. Yeah. Oh yeah. A little bit. Yeah. We've had some therapists on to talk about EMDR and we've had some people who have been patients and done the EMDR and had great success. And there was something about the movement of the eyes while processing through a trauma that helps them kind of release it. Is it similar? hundred percent. It, it, it's similar to that, but this technique um, is just, you know, someone basically has been doing EMDR and just figure out that this is maybe a more practical or more approachable aspect of it. Yeah. Are there some like alternative therapies that you haven't tried yet that have piqued your interest that you would love to try? Ah, that's interesting. So I did this one before the pandemic in New York City data, you know, there was like a few biohacking um, sort of um, um, places. Uh, and so it's like a, literally like I felt like I was like, Kal, you know, Kal-El, like Superman. It was like this little like space jet thing where you're in and it's supposed to like limp. It's supposed to like limit oxygen and it's supposed to put you on an altitude. And you, uh, I didn't enjoy it at all. Yeah, sounds terrifying. <laughs> um, because I, I, it wasn't therapeutic at all for me. Um, and I tried so many other ones where, oh, my God, one of them was like this bike. And the, the, there was a voiceover and it said like, you're riding the bike, right? You're riding the bike. Oh, I want you to go a little faster. I want you to go a little faster. Go faster. And they're like, and all of a sudden they're like, there's a tiger behind you. There's a tiger <laughs> behind you. He's chasing you. And I'm like, and they're like, go faster, go faster. And like, I'm like, this is like, this is really like, this is dramatic right <laughs> That's now. That's like a and typical like, orange theory class, <laughs> I feel like. <laughs> you know? And so I got a good workout, but I don't know if like, I really like, like that you're just more stressed <laughs> out at the end of it like what just happened yeah. totally put the tiger back in the cage I got like yeah totally I'm like I'm like get me to the infrared sauna now because I'm already sweating and I just want to like sweat more <laughs> just relax so get, 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 get me in toxins out. um is there any you know it's interesting uh, I do know so if you read my website one of my big passions or one of my dreams too and it could probably happen now that there's two big competitors out there is to go to space. I've always been fascinated with space. I think I wanted to be a, a, an astronaut when I was really young. Then the Challenger explosion happened. And I'm like, oh, yeah. I don't think so. I was like only six <laughs> years old. I'm like, I don't think this on is- that one. Yeah, redirect. <laughs> um, but I do know that they have some biohacking things that simulate, you know, space, you know, like sort of like anti-gravity and like space exploration. So those are things that, but I am going to, the Mecca, which I call the Oscars of Wellness, which is the Global Wellness Summit in Boston. It was supposed to be in Tel Aviv at the end of the month. I'm going to be interviewing a few wellness pioneers, which I'm excited about. Um, and I'll be learning about some new uh, things happening, I'm oh sure. Gosh. We'll have to get the dates for next year. I would fully be on Yeah. That. Yeah. I'm just like so excited. It's like, well, it's, it's, all, it's all like Boston from my house is like three hours. So it's like not like a huge commitment. But it's also like four days of like, oh, God, this is like what I do. I'm like so excited about it. Geeking out in your element. That's so <laughs> cool. Um, I did notice on all of your platforms, you specifically talked about helping people through the confusion of a cancer diagnosis. Can you explain what you mean by that and like how you personally had confusion with yours? Yeah. So, I, you know, so my 
tagline, so to speak, is, you know, I sort of you know, help cancer survivors overcome the confusion, gain the clarity needed to get busy living in mind, body, and spirit. The reason why I said it that way is because I think most of the time when you get a cancer diagnosis, and then you kind of like are, it's like a marathon, you're like, I gotta, I gotta get to that remission status, I gotta get, and you get to that remission status, and it's great. Then like, even the slightest little thing happens in your life, you're like, oh no, cancer coming back? It's like, is this cold? Like, uh, you know, like, even for myself, I'm like, wait, did I eat too much? It's like, is it, did I just eat too much? Or it's like, am I getting in this type of stomach again? Um, And so that's number one. So number two, it's like, it's also like sort of this feeling of like, my friend didn't make it. So why am I here? Like, why, why am I here? And she's such a good person and he's such a good person and, and they're not. And then sort of the other sort of aspect of that is sort of the confusion of thinking, through to yourself and, and just kind of figuring out like like with that particular you know um person as I guess in my podcast that her body betrayed her like she did everything right but somehow I got it and somehow you know this is my cross to bear the confusion comes into play for myself as well is sort of thinking okay now that I have this time I don't want to f it up I don't want to mess this up because I got the second chance so I want to like make something of it and the confusion happens is where do I start how do I start? What do I do? So the, ma- the magic sort of question that I always ask individuals is, if I created a miracle for you, and absolutely, like, I literally had the ability to have genie powers here. I created that miracle for you. What would life look like for you? And some people don't know how to answer it. And some people have this answer that's so quick and so fast and so furious, but they just don't know how and what the steps are. And that's the beautiful thing about coaching is that it's it, it, people don't, it's sort of like, it's a, it's a, it's, it's like a misconception. It's not that people don't know or don't want to change. It's people don't know how to change. So there's a theory in, in, in coaching and also therapies that there's called, it's called the stages of change. Like, are you in contemplative mode? Are you pre-contemplating it? Are you in action mode? And then you sort of allow the client or, or, you know, or the person to sort of move through those steps until they get into the sort of maintenance phase or, you know, the phase where they no longer think about what it is that they wanted to change. They're living the change. And so the confusion is really like, what is it? And then how do I get there? And most nine times out of 10, you need an expert or at least someone who's kind of been on that journey or, or at least is a few steps ahead of you that can sort of help you along. Absolutely. Coaches are so important. Mentors are so important. (laughs) We need people. I preach that all the time, but we really do. I would be lost without my coach. (laughs) Can we talk more about these expertises? Because I could absorb the whole hour with this. I am yours. You can pick my brain. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. Okay. I don't know if I'm going to butcher this word, but curandurismo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Coran Durismo. So it's basically um, Native American um, um, sweat lodge healing. Uh, So basically, uh, you um, really great guy. He's an actual professor in Long Island. um, And I I stumbled across uh, him through a website in New York City that was doing healing. And basically, it's like sweat lodges. So he just gives you like this little um, like plant, you know, leaf brew. It's not ayahuasca. It's just a very tame sort of like plant brew. Um, and you go into sort of this igloo type. Um, I actually like his setup. Uh, nine times out of 10, sometimes people, they, they, they do a makeshift one with burlap um, and twigs. I don't think it really matters what the vessel is. It's really, the key elements are, it's dark. It's really, really hot. You're literally like sweating in there. And you drink this like medicinal type of drink that's pretty tame. Uh, and there are like, not prompts, but there are things that he asks you and you can say them out loud. He allows you to scream, allows you to cry. I've been to three of them, one, um, two of them, in, well, one of them in Connecticut, one of them, in, you know, cause he has one uh, on his property in Long Island and one of them in San Diego. Uh, all of them were really different. Um, but it's really about using the directions, like the four directions, the American, you know, beliefs and philosophies using plant medicine to some degree but also using sort of energy that collectively you guys are all going through this experience in the dark In the dark, there's great sort of um, power in the dark. Most people are afraid of it, but if you're able to embrace the the darkness and also transmute it or transform it, then there's, you know, sort of greater elements there. I like it because I love sweating. (laughs) I'm like, I don't like sweating in the subway. I don't like sweating in my clothes, but I like sweating. I like the idea of sweating. And I also like the collective. And I also think, um, 
just sort of like that whole experience allows you to feel a little, at least for me, a little uh, less burdened um, and more tethered, um, you know, to life in general. Yeah, yeah. There is something about darkness. I think back to when we went to eat in the dark. That was oh. a nightmare for us. <laughs> but, <laughs> okay, you know what? You know what? You piqued my interest. Tell me. You got to tell me. What's this? Okay. Well, no, we were in Vegas and uh, it was for my birthday and I wanted to do this thing where you eat in the dark. Literally the whole thing is in the Cal's dark. Idea. Yeah, it was my, it was a horrible idea. It, I fell for the marketing. Okay, so, so you went and literally you put your hands on the other person's shoulder and your waiter comes with like night vision and they bring you in and you eat in complete darkness. And the amount of things that it brought up for me and what I talk about I still think about to this day. I'm like, oh my gosh, I talk about my kids way too much. (laughs) I'm sorry for talking about my kids. I was like, stop. So like that's, it's funny. It's when all your senses are taken away, it does go into what is on your mind and heavy for you, you know, I was away. And so they were obviously in the forefront of my mind and it it is wild what comes up for you when your senses are taken away. So I can't imagine doing that and sweating too. I don't, sweating. I remember where my fork and my wine glass was. It's a miracle. We (laughs) made it there alive. I think that's, I think that's really fast. I mean, I did this Vipassana thing, which is like mindful eating once where like literally like you would take two minutes to like grab the fork, slow, let it touch your lips and open your mouth like literally like it sounds it sounds excruciating but after like day two it actually was like because because I'm a curious person I actually was fascinated by it I'm like oh let me try this of course I didn't adopt any of that in my own entire life but (laughs) but, uh, at least I did it and I could check it off as something I did (laughs) that's exactly what that's exactly how I felt about eating in the dark yeah same it's so wild so the, the sweat lodge, um, so what are some of the prompts? Like, what are some of the things that they're trying to get you to connect with when you're in there? Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of it was unfortunately people's pain. Um, so there's someone who, you know, like said, she's tired of going for a fifth operation with her leg. Like literally, um, you know, for me, it was uh, at the time when I did it, it was, I got my, you know, cancer remission status. And I'm like, I, I don't know how I even like got through that. Like just, just generally like being strong and being here. And um, so that was happening. I think just if I was to speak very, because I did it like three times, I think some of, some of the people kind of do it because um, it's sort of like church in a way where, you know, you congregate with like minds, like hearts, like spirits. And so you kind of go through a collective sort of unfoldment, right? And for some people, I feel at least the experiences I've had, it's more of, there's someone listening to my pain. There's someone who can understand and who can actually maybe relate or who's giving me the space to listen to my pain. Um, you know, for me, it was a combination of the two. Were you able to celebrate your remission or did it take a while? I'm so, I'm so happy you asked this question, but I think when I tell you, you're going to laugh because, okay, so I hit my five-year remission mark and about two months later, uh, um, I, de- I decided to take a plane to Phuket, Thailand to do a fitness retreat in a place called Unit 27. I knew nothing of this place. I just did research on it. I was the only American. There was like 18 others. They were from like London and, and England and Ireland and, and you know, different parts of Asia. And there was two workouts a day. I mean, it was insane. One of the challenges was 2.9 miles up an incline to the great Buddha with your partner with 20 kettlebell on each arm in the hot sun. Oh my and I literally felt like I was trembling. I was trembling. And he goes, I don't care if this takes five hours for all you guys. We're going to finish this. Fortunately, I did it in two and a half hours. Me and my partner did it. So I, I like, I put it on Instagram. I didn't, I didn't really Instagram a lot. So I put it on Instagram. All my friends were like, only you, only you would celebrate your cancer remission status by punching yourself by going on a fitness retreat and doing this only you would do and I'm like yeah because I'm like what am I gonna do just have some cake no (laughs) (laughs) this needs to be (laughs) memorable exactly so I lost four percent body fat girls in two weeks (laughs) go for it that's amazing I'm uphill three miles with 40 pounds on my back I'd rather keep the weight (laughs) so that was my celebration (laughs) 
that's really wild. Have you ever done a silent retreat? Um, so the Vipassana retreat was a sort of a silent oh. retreat. So we did mindful thinking, mindful breathing, mindful eating. Um, it was a long time ago, but I have. Um, uh, I feel like every time I go to my gym and I go into the yoga class, um, I feel like that's, that, that's my mindful retreat. Because right? <laughs> people, I don't know about you guys, but people are serious at my gym with yoga. Like serious. Like they, and I'm like, wait like culturally I'm supposed to be really good at this but honestly I'm like not that I'm like really not I'm like I try I really really try sometimes but I'm just not good at it and I've tried like seven different modalities from like kundalini all the way to Bikram I've tried it and yeah I just I don't have the yoga gene I just have you tried it. yoga by yourself I've tried yoga by myself I've tried yoga in, in a group I've tried yoga one-on-one um <laughs> Okay, it's not connecting. I mean, I'm just, you know what? I think, um, I think I like the med. So I think it's called, um, uh, uh, um, God, it starts with Z. I think it's the, it's the one. There's one where it's like a breathing yoga. I think I'm really good at that one. <laughs> I can breathe. <laughs> I'm really good at that one. Really, really good at it. Well, I found with yoga, I'm very competitive by nature. And so when I'm in a group class, and she tells me to do a pose, I'm looking in the mirror and that pose better be on point and I better hold it as long as she says and not lose my balance and I put all this pressure. But I got this app and I noticed if I did yoga by myself and I found this out during COVID because the gyms were closed, um, no mirrors, I just did it. I was able to actually get into it without the judgment part and, and that helped me a ton. I don't know. Okay. Well, you know what? Maybe I should, no, I mean, maybe, maybe I'd be too harsh with it. Maybe what I need to do is just have no expectation and just like put on like really good music and do yeah. it. <laughs> you and me, Savio, that's how we'll show up. Okay. That sounds good to me. Okay. I'm, I'm good with that. All right, love it. You said you were, um, you've been into meditation for like 20 years. I mean, that is major because yeah. a lot of people try it and then go away from it what led you to that and, and what do you owe your consistency to that yeah so it's a it's a I mean literally like I'm 45 years old um if I don't do it I can literally feel that I'm off center and off base not like from a like a from like a um literally like I can feel it within like 30 minutes of my day oh. when I'm like something is totally off so I make sure that when I wake up in the morning it's the first thing I do after I like brush my teeth or do hygiene um it literally sets my day sets the tone uh, so like I said, it, 20, 21 years of, 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 of doing meditation, it started off with like a couple of minutes of like silence. And then I realized, okay, this is not really working for me. Uh, and so I had some instrumental music uh, and then uh, five minutes, then 10 minutes over the years. Now I do about 20, 22 minutes. It's totally a perfect amount of time for me. Um, but literally like, it, it, I don't even want to be like, I don't want to even say that like, I'm completely off-centered. Like I'm, I am off-centered. Like even for like today, like preparing for this, I'm like, I got to make sure I like fit that in, which I do. But sometimes like when I used to rush into the city, I would catch trains. And so I'm like, oh, I could do that later. And, and literally my day would be all ruined. I would be like kind of angry yeah. <laughs> at myself. Yeah. I'm so curious as like such a long practitioner of meditation, because I'm, I'm like a little over a year in and, and it's not super consistent. It on paper is consistent, but it can sometimes become a snooze button for me. Cal and I have talked about this. Um, what is meditation to you? What is your meditation practice? I know you talked about the music, but like in your head. So there's different sort of uh, disciplines of, of, of meditation. Some people meditate and um, want to see visions and, and, and fantastic for you. And some people go into it with a question and want to get insight. Fantastic for you. Um, I, for, I mean, I, that does happen sometimes and I'm grateful, uh, but for me, it's really like, I just want to be like, I, I see it as like a sea, a calm sea. Uh, and I just want to kind of float in that calm sea. So for me, I, I go into it with the intention of just nothingness. Like I, I don't want anything. I just want to go into it like a pure nothingness and whatever, if insights do come fantastic. Um, so that's really the intention of it. Um, some people sort of um, go into it and sort of try to sort of make them feel like they are doing something for their health and wellness. And, and that's great. If that's an impetus for you to continue on that path, great. It's, there's many studies that it's good for the heart and it's good for the, you know, you know, the nerves and the central nervous system and all that. Um, 
But I think when it comes to just meditation in general, and this was something that a really, really wise person once um, actually not even told me I heard once was meditation should be sweating effort. You go into the sea of meditation with the, with, with the intent of trying to literally deconstruct you as you. And that sounds like really quasi and really crazy, but that's why it's sweating effort because you're going into it, into your being, your whole being. And if you're someone like myself who believes that perhaps there are some things called past lives, then you go into it with the totality of all your experiences, whether you know them or not, um, there's a soul sort of memory there. I like that. That's so intriguing to me. What are some of the takeaways when you are doing that soul work that you found for you? I think the number one thing for me is sort of this idea of being objective with life rather than subjective. I know so many people and a really good friend as well. She had a really terrible accident. uh, And she's someone who like, I really massively looked up to. Like, if you think I'm like a great meditator, she's like more, she's like, does it like twice a day, like really on her game. Um, But she had this really bad accident. And, um, and I just noticed it sort of, um, it really confronted her um, because she liked to dance and that took away that aspect of her life um, and different things happened. And, and I realized that she was just so subjective with experience. Okay, it happened, but, but, but it could happen to anyone else, right? You're, you're, there's, you know? And so I think for me, what I constantly keep in the back of my mind when anything bad happens in my life is I'm one of many. And if I have an objective sort of viewpoint on this situation, I can maybe get myself out of this. But if I constantly blame others or think why me or whatever the case may be, I'll never get myself out of that situation because I'm always looking for the answer for myself rather than the bigger answer. What is the bigger answer? None of us will know until fortunately we cross over or whatever the case may be. But the bigger answer is something maybe beyond our own comprehension. So I always go through things with, you know, with an objective tone, even my own cancer. I, I really did. I said to myself, there's people on the seventh floor who have worse cancers than I do, who literally are stage four, I was stage three. And some of them have been here for a while. So I should stop saying, why me? And more think of, and think, and sort of like reframe, you know, and, 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 and think of it and, and say, well, why not me? Mm-hmm. You just coached me today. <laughs> <laughs> I needed to hear that. <laughs> Savio, I really did. <laughs> okay. I'm glad I was here well. <laughs> yeah. So you're, you're constantly coaching others. Who's helping you on that end of it? And where are you going to get your soul fed outside of meditation? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so I have, I have a great mentor. I have a great coach myself. Um, you know, uh, co- um, I always tell people a coach is not a jack of all trades. There's coaches who are really great in one particular sliver of life. And that's, if that's the sliver of life you need to sort of resonate with, you need to find that coach. And it's sometimes it's a, it's a process. Um, I would say also, I'm like, I'm really curious, like I mentioned, so I'm always gleaning information, getting information from various sources, podcasts, the news. <laughs> um, I, I say that with great exasperation because the news is a pretty interesting beast right now. Um, and also the stories that I put out, like listen, listening to human interest stories really feeds me because it allows me not only to think objectively, like I mentioned, but it also allows me to kind of feel like I'm not in this alone. And I think that's what the pandemic did to most people. They felt alone. Um, and so I would say to sh- you know, short answer that, but I've also been really self-reliant. I can be really honest, I've been self-reliant. I was the guy who told my family, you do not need to drop me off the chemo. You do not need to see me taking the chemo for five hours. You don't, you know, I pretty much in, in retrospect, maybe I could have been a little more open, but I felt like I got it. And my coach helped me sort of understand that I'm depriving other people of that opportunity to help me. Oh, that's a beautiful way to look at it. Cause you almost feel selfish. I I know I do when I ask for help, it feels selfish, but I know I love to help my loved ones when they need it. And so that is to look at it as a deprivation kind of takes you outside of yourself. I think that's really beautiful. Yeah. And and if it's a give and take relationship, why am I not allowing them to give? Mm. Which is, which was. Now I've been coached. Which is really profound. I know it's a it's a hard thing, but um, you know, especially for I mean, actually, a good friend of mine a couple of weeks ago mentioned to me how he feels really uncomfortable. Like a friend of him invited him to a really nice dinner. You know, things are opening up now. Really nice dinner where people were catering to him and all that. And he's like, I don't, 
like to be catered. I don't like, I don't like, you know, I don't, I'm like, well, why don't you just like reframe that? He said, what do you mean? He goes, I said, instead of you thinking that they're catering to you, maybe they're helping you. They're helping you have a great meal today. Mm. And he's like, oh, wow. I didn't even, well, yeah, they're, they're not catering to you. They're not, they're not your slave because that's kind of what he was emotionally kind of feeling, yeah. right? He didn't want to say it, but that's what he was feeling. Um, like mostly feeling like, well, why am I sitting on this end and they're serving me? I'm like, well, why don't you think of it as them helping you have a good meal? And he's like, oh, wow. That's really good. I'll have another. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I love it. What what are some of your favorite podcasts? Um, Yeah, you know, I mean, Joe Rogan's controversial, but he's my favorite. I I, I do, (laughs) I do like him for what he um, is passionate about. (laughs) So he went from fear factor, from like scaring the hell out of us, to like speaking to some degree his truth, which Uh I appreciate people speaking their truth because truth is there's a small t in truth and there's a big t in truth um although i you know i i can disagree with him on certain things as well um you know dave asprey um i um uh brendan bouchard in the coaching world i i love brendan he's like you know, fantastic um when it comes to that uh, i would say uh, uh new york times um you know your show i you know i like to sort of you know listen yeah i mean it's just i i like the casual the casual sort of element of it and then uh there's sort of the competitive aspect of me, like when um, people sort of don't like two people ask you questions, you're like, I gotta like cater to their team. Yeah. So I like when you like do that with your guests because it's like, well, they don't know what's gonna happen because it's a totally different personality now asking the questions. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I think we, we learn so much that way, you know, when we can just sit and have a conversation about whatever it is that, you know, we need to talk about today. So that's exciting. That's yeah. really nice. <laughs> What is your hope for the human resolve? Do you have big goals of things that you want to check off your list or are you happy riding this train where it's at right now? You know, I will reveal to you guys right now at 11, at 3.02, you know, I'm going to be a book author in a few months. My first book. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. So, yeah. So I told my um, um, sort of editor um, about it and he, and I said to him, I said, you know, like little children, not everyone, but some little children dream about becoming an author one day. And I'm like, for me, I've never really dreamt of that. I don't need an ISBN number. I don't, it's not that. It's, I want to write a book because people want the book. Like, and I, I know that's like easier said than done. But for me, it's not like my name is on a book. For me, it's people want to hear what's in the book. And so for me, like, as long as that gets promoted or that's the intention, then, then you know, that's great. So that's number one. So I checked off the board certification. I'm an actual coach and I'm, you know, ACC and I'm a podcaster and I'm a syndicated columnist, but that is my next venture. After that, um, I don't know. I'm going to let the universe guide me a little bit. It yeah. sounds woo-woo, but I'm going to let the universe guide me. It's not woo-woo at all. That's, that's the only way to do it, I think. Are you able to say what the book is about in the title? I can't say the title, but it's about my experiences uh, living uh, my life, obviously, but also about my cancer journey and then also stories of other cancer survivors as well. Oh, that's amazing. It's going to be so, so great. I'm, I'm excited I'll look for out you. for that. Thank I know you, yeah, you'll have absolutely. to come back and talk with us once, once you get it out there because we would love to hear more. Oh, wonderful. I, I, would, I would love to. You guys are, uh, have been a dream, so I appreciate it. Uh-huh. Thank you. Thank you. Well, where can people find you? Where can they get connected with you and, and all the things? Okay. So the best place is my website, thehumanresolve.com. Uh, from there, you can click on my podcast. You can click on my columns. Um, you know, they're all pretty much listed there on social. I'm at the human resolve, both on Twitter, Instagram, uh, LinkedIn. It's my name, Salvio P. Clementi. Um, but yeah, it's pretty much all there. If you want, you can also search Authority Magazine and um, it's one of the largest medium publications or you can go to Thrive Global, search my name, Savio P. Clementi, and you'll find all my articles. I think at this point I'm at article 175. Wow, <laughs> so, you are a writer. See, you got this. <laughs> right, I'm trying, I'm trying. <laughs> you're, like I said, you're not trying, you're doing it. And thank you so much for coming and just hanging out with us today and sharing your truth and, and what you've been through and what's working for you. It really means a lot to both of us. Yeah. No, I, I, I really appreciate the opportunity. And um, yeah, I, I wanted to sort of, I always do with my own podcast, but is there any burning question you have, um, you know, for yourself that maybe I can help you with? Because I believe in energy for energy and I believe in, uh, you know, sort Ooh, of I feel on the spot. I know. <laughs>
<laughs> do you have anything, Leanne? I've got one. I don't know if it's too general, um, but how do you help people through painful circumstances without taking it on? Mm, yeah. Oh, beautiful question. Uh, so for me, I think the meditation really helps. It helps ground me. Um, and then I also do affirmative prayer every day with my meditation. I actually have affirmative statements that I say uh, that allow me to protect not only my, you know, my energy, but also protect my peace. Um, I learned that right from the start um, when I was sort of getting into, uh, you know, learning about meditation or learning about, you know, things of, a, of an alternative uh, spiritual nature, let's say. So, you know, they call it higher spiritualism, um, a lot of books on it. Um, but yeah, that, that, um, you know, that allows me to do that. Um, I've been really good at it, <laughs> but I would say someone who's just starting, someone who's just starting, you really need to be mindful of what you're giving and what it is that you kind of want to take on. Um, because when those blur, when those lines blur, then problems start happening, which I, I can attest that probably not is the reason of my cancer, but I would say a contributing factor was that whole situation. That I mentioned. Wow. And we're back to boundaries. I know, right? <laughs> Damn it. Oh my goodness. And <laughs> I love that. <laughs> it's great. I love it. Right. Wonderful. Oh, thank oh, you. So, so good. Sure. Thank, you. thank you for your time. Thank you. Take care. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to join in on the conversation, we invite you to come be a part of the HDC community. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram by searching at have the combo. For information on all of our shows, guests, and more, visit htcpod.com. While you're there, be sure to hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. Talk soon.